This is A New Angle, a show about cool people doing awesome things in and around Montana. I'm your host, Justin Angle. This show is supported by First Security Bank, Blackfoot Communications, and the University of Montana College of Business. Hey folks, welcome back and thanks for tuning in. My guest today is Heidi Beck Heiser, manager and candy chef at Phillipsburg's legendary Sweet Palace. Heidi is a stalwart advocate for the Phillipsburg community, and she and her family have been at the center of the town's transformation following the closure of mines and sawmills. Change is always for the better. It's just a matter of how you choose to receive it, understand it, and use it to move forward. Change and progress have not been linear, and COVID has brought unique stresses to this rural community. Stresses perhaps invisible to the many folks who passed through this wonderful Montana town. Heidi, thanks for coming on the show today. Hey, thank you for having me. It's great to hear your voice. So tell us, where did you grow up and what did your parents do? I grew up here in Phillipsburg, uh, Montana, and uh, was raised on a cattle ranch for my first 18 years of life. And we had to hike to see your neighbors, which we did. We had kids that lived up and over the hill, and we would meet and go do adventures in the mountains together, the six of us. And in terms of ranching, well, you had morning, afternoon, evening chores, as always. And it was, uh, looking back, probably one of the best ways to grow up. Um, There are days I miss it and days I wish I had it. But at the same time, there are days that I'm very, very glad when I'm not dealing with it. Like today, I'm not having to deal with calves coming when it's icy. So Yeah, for sure. And talk about, so does the family still own the ranch? Or at what point did the, the family's focus shift to the town and Sweet Palace and so forth? So we left the ranch in the spring of 90. In any case, they uh, started their own business here in town. They got that off and running. Matter of fact, the Sapphire Gallery, I do believe, is 30 years old this year. And a few short years later, that was my senior year of high school, they started that. Mom, in the meantime, is doing the Sapphires and decides that Phillipsburg needs something created that makes people want to come on a more regular basis. Mm -hmm. Um, something that's enjoyable for all age groups. And she did some searching and then did some remembering of when she was growing up. She's a blended family of eight. So they got to go on vacation. This is, of course, in the early 50s as a big family back then could only afford to take, you know, two, three, four kids max on vacation at any given time. So they only got to go like every two, three years as a kid growing up. And she remembers They would go, they lived in the Wisconsin area, and she remembers going to Wisconsin Dells, and there was a candy store, and she had saved her own money, and so she got to spend her own money on what she chooses. And she remembers that as a young person, that people spend money differently, even an hour away from home. And so they went into researching candy stores and decided that that is what Montana needed. And so about that time... I was graduating from the U of M and was checking out a job in Austin, Texas, and I turned it down and came back to Montana, and she offered me the position of starting this business with her and staying for the first year to get it off its feet. 
And so that's what I did. I went into construction. And so when you walk into the Sweet Palace, I helped build the balconies on both sides. I helped turn all the columns that hold up the balconies. I painted the ceiling. I did all of the original layout of the inventory. Um, there's lots of funny and side stories to all of that. But so the Sweet Palace is 25 years old this Mother's Day. Amazing. I don't feel like I've been doing it for that long, but it is. <laughs> and Mother's Day is a special place out there. I've, I've been to the Sweet Palace on Mother's Day, and it's a pretty incredible experience. Yes, we, we like to treat mothers and fathers um, as the incredible people that they are. And so uh, moms and dads both get a free half pound of fudge on their respective holiday. Yeah. So talk a little bit about that decision. You know, you came to the University of Montana, studied in our college of business. And then, yeah, like you said, you had a, you had an offer to go work in Austin, which, you know, that's a big change in, in a cool, fancy town. You know, what prompted the decision to say no to that and return home? Back then, um, the Sapphire Gallery was the first jewelry website in the United States. Okay. And I helped design it and build it. We worked there with a company in Missoula that's no longer. I was a part of that and got into it. And upon graduating, there was a gentleman in Austin, Texas, who was starting up a website building company specifically for jewelry stores. It was rapidly growing industry. And so I went down and found a place to rent and I had friends down there. And so... I was looking and looking and interviewed with the guy and he wanted me as an employee and got to meet some future possible fellow employees and the company. And all I can say is, for lack of a better term, it didn't feel right. Sure. There's just things when you know that this is the right choice and all of the things go the right way and the hairs on the back of your neck don't stand up. <laughs> and so it just did not do it for me. It didn't excite me. Come to find out the company didn't last, mm. I think maybe five years. And so it just didn't fit the bill. So I had to come back to Montana anyway, because all of my stuff was here. And so it was a matter of, you know, coming back to the drawing board and seeing what I would do next. And in that time between graduation and me returning, mom had decided that this is what she and her business partner were going to do is to open the candy store. But she wanted someone of my ability and knowledge to be the front runner of the business side of it because she saw the Sapphire Gallery, of course, to run. Sure. And so you mentioned, you know, your mother had the motivation of, of figuring out a way to attract more people to Phillipsburg on a more regular basis. So in the 25 years that you've been you know, operating this business, can you describe kind of the arc of the changes that have occurred in town and, and you know, for better or for worse? So change, change is always for the better. It's just a matter of how you choose to receive it, sure. understand it, and use it to move forward. And that has taken me 25 years to understand. <laughs> When the businesses were started and growing up here, Phillipsburg was, I remember Phillipsburg, a very different community than most of my schoolmates because my schoolmates were in, their parents were in county jobs or in mining, which is, you know, anything, anyone knows anything about Phillipsburg, the mining industry is what started this area. So they have a very gray view of growing up. 
Mm-hmm. And mine, I remember, is very colorful, but I wasn't raised in town. And it's amazing the difference of that. That being said, when people come back home who grew up here and no longer live here, you get two very opposing sides of a coin. You get, I don't like it anymore. It's changed so much. It's not what I remember. And the other side is, you know, what what a great town it has become and has made a place that, you know, we get to enjoy coming back to. And it's a place our parents can, you know, actually live out their older years in life and that we can visit with grandchildren. And so it's amazing, interesting, I should say, that the views haven't differed in all these years, that it transpired generations of how they feel about town. And so Phillipsburg has definitely um, become a very interesting town to a lot of people from the outside area. And now it's not even Montana who is discovering Phillipsburg, it's United States is discovering Phillipsburg. And that has growing pains and I am thrilled with our mayor currently because he understands that, that we need to get ahead of it. And everyone hates zoning, but we're going to have to do something in that regard to protect what we have created that people come to enjoy. And he understands that and is looking forward in how to do that best to benefit those that are here, as well as the future generations that either want to do business and or visit. The community as a whole, in terms of the downtown business community, is very forward-thinking, hard-working. It's one of the hardest working, dedicated groups of people I've had the pleasure to work with, truly. So let's maybe draw out some of those challenges you mentioned there. You, you referenced zoning in particular, but there's got to be you know, so, some issues with housing and issues with trying to develop a workforce, issues of trying to you know, encourage people to have more children and raise families in Phillipsburg. I mean, how, how does it kind of develop all the infrastructure and population to support itself? Yeah, those, those are all huge, huge veins of the community as any community. I watch Whitefish on a regular basis to see what they're up to because they usually run up against something about the same time we do. Okay. Even though they are considered a higher end community, I don't know how else to phrase that. Yeah. In any case, yes, housing is a huge challenge and housing is a huge challenge because we did not get ahead of it. By that, I mean... We did not get ahead of the whole VRBO, Airbnb, HomeAway, you know, that industry that people from the Missoula, Helena, Great Falls, Billings, Bozeman, Idaho, you name it, discovered property when it was inexpensive and snatched it up and fixed it up and now rent it out. And all of these houses, I mean, five of them sitting right around my house are all empty as a whole because people rent them out or own them and live elsewhere and only want, understandably, want themselves in their homes. But at the same time, when you're trying to build a community with young families, as you mentioned, that makes it a true, true challenge. And then by not having that, once again, you brought up the next prong on that issue, and that is a workforce. If you don't have the people, who are you going to get to employ? So we ourselves have gotten, as our businesses have gotten creative this year, Once again, mom and her great um, ability to observe and and be intuitive 
watched over the years is she in the tourism industry visits RV parks and whatnot because we hand out information on Phillipsburg. I'm sure you've seen that um, Phillipsburg territory newspaper that the chamber puts out each year. Oh yeah. So we deliver that around, deliver that around the state. And as doing that, when they go into these RV parks and um, state parks, they see, you know, all these volunteers and they're from Arizona and Texas and California and Carolinas and Iowa, and they're retired and they're easy and they're kind and they're helpful and they enjoy people. And mom last year was a true challenge to find employees and we did. And so she had mentioned this to me probably about six months ago. And of course, then you have Christmas and your life is completely taken over (laughs) by glitter and chocolate. And so finally we get to breathe again. And I asked her, how serious are you about this? And she was turns around to me, she was dipping chocolate. She goes, let's do it. I'm like, okay. So I went and found a website, put an ad out, put a post on Facebook. And within 12 hours, we had four people contact us for jobs that are retired. And the only way we're getting away with this, because once again, the housing's an issue, is that they have to have their own RV. Because we happen to own a piece of property in the downtown area that's tucked away, that would be perfect for two to four RVs, depending on their size, that they could actually live there for a summer. And so we have hired um, so far one couple and uh, one single, not single lady, but she's working for us singly. Her husband's going to be here as well. But they, um, the one couple is out of Billings and their family's on this side of the state. So they're excited to be close to family. And the lady is actually, she's from Louisiana and they're building up here at Granite. They've been building for 15 years. And um, so she's going to come stay, get out of the heat and work for us. So uh, we have a few more interviews with a few other people. And that is the route we're going to take is that we're going to go get some of these retired people who aren't quite done working yet and want some people and some human interaction and some socialization and some new skill sets and see what we can do. I mean, that's such a creative response to a problem. You know, the problem you, you talked about earlier with, you know, the, the Airbnb, VRBO, real estate effect. I mean, is there anything the community can do to, to manage that? I mean, it's sort of like a market-based effect, but at the same time, it has these, like you said, it's it's hard to build a community when you have all this real estate that's unoccupied until, you know, tourists come in on the weekend. The, the money that the tourists bring is nice, but it's not something you can build much culture around. True, true. And so I honestly don't know. That is, uh, once again, when I say I watch Whitefish, that is one thing that they are trying to hammer out is how to put the rabbit back in the hole, as it were. Are there stipulations that you can put on houses that are not lived in 12 months of the year, that if you are not going to do that, or you are going to use it as a vacation rental, then you are automatically having to pay, make up an amount that's reasonable that is paid into the town coffers, as it were. So that money goes toward developing housing, possibly on other areas of town that haven't been built on yet. There's all kinds of things I think that can be done. Once again, it's a matter of having the time and money and people to do it. 
And with our infrastructure as it is, you know, we have a pretty heavy load just dealing with the water lines in the sewer system. But once again, if you had the money from the vacation rentals, then maybe that would help with those costs. And so it's a tangled web to undo and you're not going to make everybody happy. That is for sure. And the other snag on that particular thread is the people who are doing the vacation rentals, most of them are not paying the state tax, Mm. which they should be by law. Because when you go stay at a hotel, you have to pay a tax, a bed tax. And the thing is, I don't think people understand what they're, by not paying that, they are robbing the business community in Montana of something very vital. The bed tax money that's collected by the state goes all into a grant, all of it. Mm -hmm. And that grant money goes up once a year and different entities and different communities can go after it every year. Well, it is because of that grant that it circles me back that we have refrigeration for our ice rink. But by people not paying the bed tax, that money isn't now going back into something that can turn around and help Montana. We'll be back to my conversation with Heidi Beckheiser after this short break. A New Angle is supported by First Security Bank, Blackfoot Communications, and UM's College of Business. Access to capital, broadband, and education are three ingredients any community needs for success. This is Jeff Meese, media technician at the College of Business, and you're listening to A New Angle. Welcome back to A New Angle. I'm speaking with Heidi Beckheiser of The Amazing Sweet Palace. Let's pivot a little bit in our remaining time. Heidi, there's two things I want to hit. I'd love you to talk a little bit about how the experience of the last two years, COVID, has affected the community. I mean, the, the healthcare infrastructure in the town has had to have been stressed dramatically. And then you've got this influx of people, as you mentioned before, a lot of the country has discovered Phillipsburg, a lot of, you know, a lot of urban America fleed to rural communities. And some sometimes notoriously, we hear stories of, you know, city folks bringing COVID to the country. Um, I think some of that might be <laughs> overblown. But yeah, what a, what has been the most salient issues to, to you and your, 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 your community members during, during COVID? You know, COVID did not deal us the blow that it did everybody else. Hmm. It really didn't. And we didn't have a case in Granite County um, when it first started, I think all the way almost until Memorial Day weekend. Wow, we were we were one of the last to actually have a case, and the health department and health environment in our community. We are very very lucky. We've got people at the top with level heads, and we have done very well, or they have done very well. I can't take their credit, and the community has done a good job at keeping their employees and their families cared for and safe. And in terms of people from the outside, for the most part, they have come here because of that, that we are respectful of health and well-being and a community versus do what you want and to heck with the rest of you. I think that was part of the draw. So we've been once again, very lucky in that regard. In terms of business, this poor community got completely run over like a freight train. Yeah. 
such that I don't know if you've um, watched because I know that um, University of Montana is tied to Travel Montana. Mm -hmm. And so if you've picked up on anything that they are doing, for instance, Glacier Country, Yellowstone Country, and now uh, Whitefish is doing it. We have started it. And that is uh, almost uh, a campaign of being kind. And it's not just being kind to people. It's be kind to your place, be kind to the environment, be kind to the people that are coming after you and leave it better than you found it. And so we have really jumped on that. And um, a lot of the Western states have as well, because everybody got hit so hard. And it wasn't that they were beat up because people weren't kind. It was that they were beat up because there were so many our numbers out here in the West compared to the South and the East and the Southwest are quite a bit less. And we don't have the numbers of people to draw on to buoy ourselves up and, you know, bring in the second and third string as you were, you know, it's, we're trying to once again, put the rabbit back in the hole and ask for, you know, we only want people to truly come that are going to enjoy and be kind. This is not, we don't want to have that, uh, stigma where people it's like we have become this overrun community that no one wants to come to anymore because you can't get in there and you can't do this and you can't go there you know we, we want to be able to be open and available and inviting and accepting mm -hmm. on a regular basis and so we have to wrap wrap our arms and our brains around that collectively and see what we can do to continue what we have created so we've talked a lot in this conversation about some of the macro issues facing the community. I, I'd love in our remaining time, Heidi, to kind of focus the lens more on kind of your experience operating the Sweet Palace. Like, I mean, the, the number of things on your plate running a small business like you do, I'm thinking about, you know, wage pressure, inflation, you know, the influx of demand, like you just mentioned with the number of people coming to town, supply chain management, both trying to make your own product, but bringing in other vendors product, like t t tell us, give us sort of the state of play and a day in the life of, of Heidi. <laughs> well, uh, it is, it is an adventure that there is no doubt. Um, and you know, you, I don't think about these things until you say them and then I'm like, well, yeah, that probably is a challenge that people don't think about. So when you have a business as big as the Sweet Palace is, you have to plan at least six months out for inventory. Mm -hmm. And so there are so many products, like for instance, um, I don't know who's more upset or who's more happy that we can't get the giant gummy snakes anymore. I mean, <laughs> that just has little kids just unhinged and it has mothers, you know, praising us. Oh my gosh, thank you. You don't have those anymore. But um, those kinds of things. Every day, the inventory changed for me this year. I had to continue to find new ways of getting product, new companies to get product from, and how to get it here the most efficiently, economically. Uh, FedEx Freight saved my bacon so many times this year. I tell you what, I sent them candy this last week because, oh my goodness, they're the fabulous people in Butte that take care of us. And in terms of wages, we are um, right there, competitive. Um, we feel that the people need to make enough money to live on. You can't just pay somebody 
minimum wage. You've got to pay them money so that they have enough money to do what they need to do and have a life and enjoy where they live. With everything going up around us, that means that we need to accommodate that. But my gosh, they work hard enough that that's not a big deal. And you should be able to do that for your employees. In terms of manufacturing, oh my heavens, I was making candy 12 hours a day this summer to keep up. I made 800 pounds of fudge a week to keep up. And you think about that, walking out the door in quarter pound to one pound chunks. That is a lot of people. That was a uh, wake up call to, okay, so do we need to revisit our business plan (laughs) and, you know, how we charge for fudge or how we cut for fudge or what we're going to do for the upcoming summer. So that is one of the things on the table this spring that we're going to revisit and how we can take good care of our customers who love our fudge and love our product, but still, man, hopefully not have to crank that kind of product out the door. Gosh, I mean, as you're laying this all out in the entirety of this conversation, I mean, how do you impress me as somebody who, you know, you have fierce commitment to your community, to your neighbors, um, to your business, to your family? How do you maintain this just sort of what appears to me as an outsider, like just a firmly positive attitude about life? How, how do you um, how do you endure? That is not always the attitude people get from me. So thank you. (laughs) There are days when I am ready to just toss it all in the air and say, well, good luck and I'm out. But everybody has those and you have to allow yourself, I think, to have that um, because whether you believe in a higher power or not or the universe, because the minute you do that, I have found almost every time I am put right back in my place. There is somebody who is suffering something so much worse, Mm -hmm. um, whether on a personal level or on a business level, somebody who's enduring something that I don't even think I have the ability to help them or cope with. And they are doing it and doing it beautifully. And so that makes me just get my ducks back all rounded back up and hopefully in a row, not always, sometimes they're zigzagging. Um, and, and get back to it because I have I have nothing to complain about on the grand scheme of things. I truly don't. And this community continues to do what the people began at the very beginning. These were miners who came here. And yes, miners, when the money left, they left. But at the same time, when they were here, they were here. They were in 100% every day, all day long and gave this community everything they had. And so I guess this community draws that kind of person because I feel that I'm not the only one with that aim and that goal and that daily push Um, because there are several of them that I have walked in the steps of and walk along beside who are just as good, if not better than myself. Awesome. Well, Heidi, I can't thank you enough for, for the work you do. The example you set for so many small business owners and so many community leaders in the state. If folks want to learn more about Phillipsburg, Sweet Palace, the the Sapphire Gallery, where where would you point them online? Each entity has their own individual website. So sweetpalace.com, sapphiregallery.com, phillipsburgmt.com, or better yet, just, you know, 
come to Phillipsburg and spend a day and enjoy all that Phillipsburg has to offer because there are many people and many discoveries that I think would improve your day and make you smile. I think that's well put. Heidi, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. You have a grand afternoon. Thanks for listening to A New Angle. We really appreciate it. And we're coming to you from Studio 49, a generous gift from University of Montana alums Michelle and Lauren Hansen. A New Angle is presented by First Security Bank, Blackfoot Communications, and the University of Montana College of Business. With additional support from Consolidated Electrical Distributors, Drum Coffee, and Montana Public Radio. AJ Williams is our producer, BTO, Jeff Amet, and John Wicks made our music. Editing by Nick Mott. And Jeff Meese is our master of all things sound. Thanks a lot, and see you next time.